Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by James and Paddy as we cover all things Celtic. Celtic are on their way back to Hamden after a convincing 3-0 win over Hearts at the weekend sees the boys take their place in the last four of this season's Scottish Cup. It was the second time in just a few days we'd put three goals past Robbie Nielsen's side and we're now watching a Celtic team on a 27-game unbeaten run including 13 straight wins on the bounce. James, Celtic are answering all the questions that are put their way just now. Your thoughts on how we dealt with the challenge of Hearts last week and your Celtic moment of the week, please. Yeah, two big, big challenges. You know, I thought in the end Saturday was more comfy than, than Wednesday, but Saturday was the one I was really quite tense about. Um, you know, when we got that goal so quick, it really just took a lot of the, the sting out of everything, certainly calmed me down. But yeah, they just, you know, two excellent performances. Um, all the noise that's swirling around those games and Nielsen trying to create whatever he was trying to create with all that decapitation chat and Ange just sent the boys out to do their job and they duly did so. Yeah, delighted to keep on in the league and to get into the semis of the cup. Moment of the week, I've got a moment of the week and I've got a shout out. My moment of the week was Jota's dummy out in the touchline for, uh, to get the ball in for uh, Moyes opener against Hearts there. It was just, I've watched it several times a day. It, it's just somebody that knows the game inside out and knows what to do, to do that others don't. I thought it was just sublime and what we come expect from, from Jota. My shout out is um, myself and a good friend, Martin O'Neill, were at the Admiral on Saturday night for its last stand. So a shout out, I suppose, for the Admiral, but also for Greg at Lisbon Lions CSE. He came up and spoke to me about Celtic Exchange, told us a bit about what they do and really long-standing supporters club and great to see what they do. Nice one, great stuff. I, I don't know what we're doing shout-outs, but do you know what? No, we are. Maybe it's time we should, now so shout-out to Greg uh, and the guys there. Paddy, your treble dream is very much alive and kicking following Saturday's win. What would it take to prevent that from happening and what's your own Celtic moment of the week? Um, I, I think for it not to happen, Celtic, we need to get beat, you know. <laughs> you've, you've, got, no. you've got me there, P. Uh, no, I, I think it's... It's definitely in our hands um, as it stands. I think everything that we're doing and everything that we're bringing on to the park in each performance. Um, I know a lot of people were a little bit apprehensive about both games against Hearts, actually. However, we've just made it look very, very simple. And that seems to be the, the, the case with this team. That, that, that they're, they're very good at just covering everything that they need to in order just to go out and, and steamroll teams. I was re-watching the game um, on Saturday night and one of the funny things I... I the site that I managed to get the, the replay on, it was a Hearts commentary and it was absolutely brilliant. I'll, I'll post a link I for they it. They were quite decent. They were that, decent yeah. when the Halliday uh, penalty happened. Um, well, the, the non-penalty. The, non -penalty. the two of them were like, oh no. <laughs> Straight <laughs> away. Oh dear. And then they watched the replay and they're like, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> like they, they know they got away with one so with they, that. They saw them more than Willie Collum, didn't they? <laughs> absolutely. Then? Absolutely. But then they then come away with an incredible statement. Um, when Hearts kind of had like a spell 20 minutes in the first half and we were putting everything into it to try and get back into the game and they were like eh, it's good to see he's trying to get at Celtic's defence it's one of the worst in the league and I was like check your numbers what? what's that all about? I, I just had a strange I, basically it's kind of going with this whole party line that you, you, you see elsewhere and other other fan sites that will come out and say it if you get in their faces they'll crumble I don't see how that's happening, guys. Parent that's never lost a game exactly, exactly. So this is where we're at just now. It's almost a lot of people just living in disbelief, and we're just really, really enjoying everything. Ah, if doing. you can't find a reason, just yeah, make one up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my moment of the week um, was basically someone's taking uh, two still shots on uh, the unique angle video, uh, and the first one's a first goal, and it's basically this wee guy giving the middle finger uh, to Aaron Moy and the players gathering in the corner. But his mum's just in the process of getting him into trouble for that. <laughs> and then the second still shot is the second goal going in, the wee boy sitting on his hands and his mum and what looks like the auntie or whatever. They're both standing up giving the middle finger. <laughs> so They don't like it off the streets. I, I, only I can do this. <laughs> don't do as I say, do as I do or, aye, or something aye, like that. along those lines, um, James, you were quite keen to touch on the, the potential penalty. And let's, let's cover it just briefly. Um, so yeah, as you rightfully say, Willie Collum in the VAR room Alistair Johnson gets his cross away just just before getting his ankle taken out of play. Clearly inside the box, 
clearly contact. Listen, clear as day, the whole thing. Yeah. And I wonder if just in the kind of heat of the game, there was a lot going on and stuff. Everything just seemed to roll on. There didn't even seem to be a VAR check. I think Celtic suffered a similar thing with Emilio Izaguirre a number of years ago, maybe against Aberdeen. Aberdeen, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Willie Collum, ironically, was the referee. What's your, your quick take on that? I mean, Halliday's out of control, at pace and late. It's all the, the factors you need for at least a penalty. The, pen, the penalty's not in doubt. The only thing that I would have in doubt is, you know, is it a red card? I think it probably is. But that's all VAR needs to be looking at. It's the fact that it didn't even go at a check. Yeah. You know, you know. bear in mind, Willie Collum saw that Aberdeen sending off from like 25 yards with no replays, no extra footage. He's sitting in the cosy confines of the, the VAR porter cabin and he's seeing nothing. I mean, it's got to be a question Celtic should be asking. And I think they will be asking them behind closed doors. This is the chat that Celtic are compiling some sort of kind of dossier just to say... It would be hard to put together. <laughs> yeah. What about this? What about that? What about the next thing? So we'll leave that where it is just now. But yeah, very questionable one. But overall, as, as you lads have alluded to, comfortable and confident couple of victories over Hearts and great to see. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up in this week's show. So Celtic were forced into a change at half-time on Saturday with ever-present Carl Starfelt being replaced by Yuki Kobayashi. So is now the right time to give the Japanese defender an extended run in the side. We'll then move on to this week's mystery Celt as James and Paddy once again try and name the famous ex-Celt. And after that is this week's listener's question which asks whether Celtic should be targeting some of the more talented players around the Scottish Premiership as Ange Postacoglu and Mark Loyal continue moving forward with the development of the squad. And finally, we'll close out this week's show by bringing you something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic Media. Okay, so this week's big question. And remember, I just asked the questions, James. Just put it out there. It's up for you lads to, to debate this one out and take all the flack that might come with it online. So as I mentioned, Carl Starfelt was replaced at halftime on Saturday by Yuki Kobayashi, who went on to have a very good second half against Hearts in the 3-0 win. In terms of Kobayashi and of Starfelt's injury, Ange is quoted as follows. He felt a niggle in his hip flexor during the warm-up. He then felt it early on in the game, but we got it through to half-time and we could see he wasn't moving well in the first half. You could see he wasn't his normal self, so we made the change. I don't think it's anything significant, but it was good to get UK some game time. You can see his quality for a young man and I thought he did very well when he came on. So here's the question quite specifically. Whether he's forced to, through injury or otherwise, should Ange Postacoglu now be looking at this opportunity to give Yuki Kobayashi an extended run in the starting eleven ahead of Carl Starfelt? Um, no, no for me. I, I think Starfelt is, uh, he's just been one of those players since we've signed him that, you know, he's, a, he's can be an easy target um, for a lot of supporters um, just to vent some sort of frustration if you can find it with this team. For me, I, I I just see a player that's actually getting better and better. Um, with, with, with Carl Starfelt, he feels very comfortable with the partnership with, with Cameron Carter-Vickers. He's very comfortable with Greg Taylor being his fullback as well. The two of them work extremely well together. And what I, I love about him is, is that he has got some pace on him. He's got, he's so, so quick. Um, a couple of times players have got him in the back and it's very rare that it happens to us domestically. And he's catching up with it very, very quickly. Even when he's made mistakes, I know he's got a, he's got a straight pass in him. I get that. I get that. That's a lot of that, that frustrates a lot of people. But think about the amount of straight passes that are made up at the other end of the park as well. It's obviously more than focus because it could lead to a potential goal. I totally get that side of it as well. But everyone does does have those moments, little lapses of concentration. Yeah, we don't want to see it. Um, but for me, Carl Starfelt hasn't actually done much wrong in order to have him have his position up for debate. I think the penalty at Ibrox, yeah, I'd give him that. But again, put under needless pressure by Juranovic, um, in that opinion, in my opinion with that as well. Um Kobayashi for me, I think is is definitely going to be the future. I, I think that's going to be the move forward. But I'm saying that in this the sense of what I spoke about last week. I wouldn't be surprised. Well I think sorry, I think we'll struggle to keep a hold of Cameron Carter Vickers this summer. I really do. Um, whereas I can see he's having Starfield for another couple of seasons if he wants to be there. And Kobe Asher looks like a very ready replacement, in my opinion. Yeah, and all very fair comments. I guess that's that section wrapped up, James. <laughs> yep, yep, Mr. <laughs> um, what about yourself? Where are you at with this one in general? Well, I mean, I suppose the answer is we're going to get to see it whether we like it or not. You know, hip flexor injury, you know, is unserious as it sounds from listening to the hands there. If it's not rehabbed right, it can become a long-term thing and quite a chronic thing. So I don't think we'll see Starfelt for two to three weeks um, as they rehab that. 
So we're going to be seeing Kobayashi whether we like it or not. As it happens, I do like to see that. I think it's a good time to be seeing that. What we've seen of him is, you know, is decent. I, I like what I've seen of him. We've got to establish who's going to be, you know, the players that can take us forward in the Champions League next year. That's the question I'm asking every single game when I'm watching Celtic just now. So is Iwata going to going to come in, in midfield? I think so, is the answer to yes. that one. You know, it, it just looks class. But I thought Kobayashi was outstanding second half eh, on Saturday there. Really, really calm. Had a few good cut tussles with, with the... Eh, can't remember the big lad going forward for them was. Never put a foot wrong. Read the game extremely well. Has a good bit of pace on him. Good pass to the ball. The main thing I would say overall is, you know, people, not yourself, but people do get very emotive about the Starfelt debate as such. And it only comes from a, a place of wanting to improve. You know, in Angie's team, the loyalty is based on ability and performance. And I think Starfelt has been excellent. But he does have that straight pass. Mm. And in Europe, you'll get killed for it. Jens saw to his cost that, you know, slightly subpar performances in Europe got him binned. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what happened. So it was unfortunate we didn't get to see Starfield at that level too much because of injury. But I think we'll, we'll see a lot of Kobayashi in the next few weeks and then it'll be the decision to see is it Starfield coming back in or is Kobayashi now cementing his place for next season. If Carter Vickers goes, I think that gives us a, a real problem. Maybe Starfield will be more, you know, natural yeah. on the right of that defence. He's a great defender, but I think he would really suit a kind of mid-to-bottom tier EPL table that defends for its life every single week. I think he would clean up in a team like that, whereas we're mostly a going-forward team. We'll definitely be defending in Europe right enough. Yeah, he's a brilliant defender. I don't think anyone doubts that, and that's his, his core strength. It is going to be interesting what happens in the immediate term. You're right, James, so maybe it's a couple of weeks out there. We've got Hibs on Saturday and then it's international break so he might have a bit of time to recover. I don't know if, if he features right now for Sweden. Um, he's been capped five times. Away, yeah. Injury. I wonder, yeah. If, yeah, I wonder yeah. if that works against him. I was actually just, you know, ahead of this section I was looking at various articles about Starfelt and there was an article in The Athletic who now no longer cover Celtic but that's a separate issue. Can we can we get your moles to find out what happened there? I'll try and find some moles first yeah. and then I'll ask the, <laughs> ask the question. Um, but yeah, they're, they're no longer covering Celtic or Rangers, actually. They seem to have stepped back they, from that. They only stopped Rangers because they weren't covering Celtic. If, cover Rangers if you want. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on from the Athletic. But there is a decent article um, back at the time from Kieran Devlin, who did pull together some great articles around Celtic. And it was when Starfelt signed and they spoke to someone from Ruben Kazan or someone who, who knows about Ruben Kazan. And they said the big thing that could go against Starfelt was injury. Mm-hmm. He had a kind of troublesome record and I think it took him a time to make his debut for them. He's since come in he was fairly fortunate in season one there for Celtic. He has picked up some niggly injuries this season and, and he's missed a number of games through that, but hopefully not a, you know, a big issue. And, you know, he's got a niggly thing at the moment with a hip flexor, but hopefully that's not something that hampers him one way or another. The Starfield question, as you say, James, it's been an ongoing debate among Celtic fans and sometimes, you know, quite emotive and mm-hmm. people thinking that, you know, he, he cannot be criticised. Of course he can, you know, that, that, that's part of the game as long as it's kind of fair and balanced and, and constructive. I don't think it's a debate that's going to settle anytime soon. And, you know, Kobe actually getting game time just now or at Hibs will only kind of add fuel to that fire. To get it started in general here, though, do you want a mini Carl Starfield quiz? Why not? Aye, why not indeed? So, question number one. Carl Starfield has played 52 games in the Scottish Premiership. How many games has he lost? Mm, zero. Yeah, none. <clears throat> it's more than zero. Zero when partnered with Carter Vickers. Uh, yeah. That's definitely yeah. the start. Two. Two is right. So the very first game against Hearts, um, was it John Souter scored the winner? Of course he played, I think. Uh, and then Rangers a few weeks after that. That's the only two times, and that was a long time ago. And that was when we were just getting into our stride and working out who went where. <laughs> uh, interestingly, in game one against Hearts, <laughs> do you know who his centre-half partner was? Me? Wasn't you? It could, should have been you. should have been me. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's his name? Wasn't Welsh. No. Um... So Welsh partnered him against Rangers. It was our old favourite. Near Beaton. Near big, Beaton. No. Big beats. So that... <laughs> back, in, back in his favourite place. You can kind of... Uh, so you can, you know, give him a wee bit of coverage there for losing a game when Beaton's <laughs> your partner. Anyway, so he's only lost two games ever in the Scottish Premiership, so pretty solid there. Uh, question number two. How many times were Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carl Starfelt partnered together in our six Champions League games this season? Zero. Zero. Uh-huh. Zero is correct. So Starfelt only played one game, the last game... Uh, against Madrid, along with Maurice Jens. So, you know, very unsettled there. Um, and in Carl Starsfeld, question number three, in Carl Starsfeld's 74 Celtic appearances, how many yellow cards has he picked up? Four. Seven. 
five, just five. That's pretty good as well. 74 games, so nothing rash, not no. you know, generally speaking. I mean, you mentioned the, the Rangers penalty, Paddy, but generally speaking, doesn't go to the ground unnecessarily yeah. and keeps his feet. I meant to check the stat for Catalva because I'm sure that'll be equally low. But so generally speaking, you know, based on those kind of stats, you know, many quiz questions, whatever, whatever Celtic do moving forward, and obviously there is a decision to be made by Ange, there's absolutely no question at this moment in time about how important Starfield has been so far to this Celtic side. I totally agree. I think um, for me, it kind of just what you mentioned there about the injury side of things and this <clears throat> seems to be a bit of a trend throughout his career perhaps this is just the ruthlessness of uh, our manager and, and the way the club's going forward that they just say listen when you're a good player but we just we can't rely on that we can't have that as you know we can't have like mediocre centre half sitting in the background whilst you are playing every week and then we bring one of these players in so every every signing Ange makes it's the team getting better mm -hmm. and he thinks I'm assuming personally that every player he brings in he'll be saying this guy will replace this guy I really do think that I don't think he's he's signing squad players that's exactly it I don't think he's signing guys for the bench he's kept guys like James Forrest around yeah. you know existing players for the bench James Forrest is I would say no longer a first team player for Celtic yeah, yeah. I think that's fair but anyone he's bringing in he's not bringing someone in to sit next to James Forrest he's bringing someone in to say can you can you go and replace I don't know Greg Taylor, maybe even Callum McGregor, whoever. I don't think anyone can rest on their laurels because with every new signing, they're potentially the guy that's going to replace you in the team. Um, so some kind of general kind of facts and stats around Starfelt. His full name, James, is Carl Anders Theodore Starfelt, which makes his initials cats. Cats, which is interesting. <laughs> um, he's twenty seven years of age. Turns twenty eight in June. Signed for four point three million in July twenty twenty one. 2021 from Ruben Kazan on a four-year deal. As I mentioned, Paddy, he's got five caps for Sweden, uh, no goals, and he's been in and out. I think he's picked up a couple of caps since being at Celtic, but the few he won were before he signed for us. Obviously, honours-wise, he's now got a Scottish Premiership title in his back pocket, along with uh, two League Cups. And overall for Celtic, he's had 74 appearances, two goals, two assists, only five yellows, as I mentioned, and that one red card at Ross County. When he get elbowed in the mouth, remember? <laughs> it was a shocking uh, performance. Wild. Which Just an interesting stat comparing uh, this season's appearances to last season. So, overall in the Scottish Premiership, 52 appearances in total, one in 46, drawing four and losing those two that I mentioned. Last season, he was involved in 34 games, so pretty much another present after he came in, missed a couple, but 34 out of 38. This season, he's only played 18. Uh, which is interesting. There's, you know, obviously we've played less. We've played 27 at this moment in time. But of those 18, he's won 17, drawn one, and lost zero. Crucially, he wasn't part of that St. Martin team. That uh, sorry, that team that got beat by St. Martin mm -hmm. uh, back in September. It was Welsh and Jens who were the pairing on that occasion. In Europe, uh, as I'd mentioned, he's obviously the big disappointment is the fact that we never got him and Starfield together for the Champions League appearances. So, as I mentioned, the only the one game. Uh, against Real Madrid the 5-1 defeat and again he was partnered with Jens so it's been chopping and changing and different things what seems abundantly clear Paddy based on that is that Celtic would almost certainly have gone on to win the Champions League <laughs> had Carter Vickers and Starfield yeah. remained in place your thoughts? 100% um, it's a no-brainer I think uh, no, I, it's, it's definite we want to see these two get, get that opportunity in the group stage in my opinion um, having said that though like look, kind of what I was talking about I, I don't know if Ange's Going to say to Starfelt, you're not you're not able to stay fit long enough to to be around here. Um, that could be the case. For me, that's the only reason he leaves this team. Though I think the mistakes you could count like in one hand. Yeah. If that you know, and a lot of fans just remember him coming in at the Alkmaar game and he looked a bit shaky coming into that two one game against Hearts and they they remember those those moments. But actually, when you look at some of his performances, especially of late, I'm I'm gutted he's been injured. Uh, he's, he's had that injury now and. I think about I think back to the final. Um, James touched on it. His importance for the first goal as well as the second goal and just breaking down play and get he gets it moving very very quickly. Um, so as much as we talk about the defensive side of things, I actually do think he's getting better with uh, with bringing the ball out from the back as well. I think that's that's really valid. I mean, James, do you think he's a better player now than the the guy who made his Premiership debut against Hearts? It, like most of Angie's players, he's he's learned a whole new way of playing football. So, you know, inevitably he's going to be, you know, he's, he's added strings to his bow there. And he is, you know, coming out of defence, as Paddy's saying, he's he's very, very strong at it. It's always going to be hard. I mean, if you put a right back at left back and vice versa, you know, it's as difficult as we saw from Juranovic, you know, part of that and part of how, how interested he was. 
But if you're putting a right sided player, left side of centre half, and you're just asking me to clear the ball, fine. If you ask me to dribble with the ball, that's really difficult. I think the, the point you made about himself and Greg Taylor is, is really valid. Yeah. Because they've linked up so well, and Taylor's always an outball. And we saw, you know, last week Burnaby still just getting back to, you know, getting to where we want him to get to. Mm -hmm. You see how much we miss Taylor. Taylor and Starfield together, it makes it, for both of them, I suppose, it, it makes it an easier game. But if that is a, a left-footed player coming out, maybe he needs to rely on Taylor less and he can drive forward a wee bit more himself, which gives us Taylor in a more advanced position. So I think he has, you know, he's, he's very, very good at it. I'm just wondering, I want to see if Kobayashi's better, that's all. It's maybe all, all the more admirable yeah. what Starfield does, that he's kind of out of playing out of position. Yeah. You know, he's playing as a left-sided centre-half when he's he's very obviously a right-sided kind of player. I wonder if he'd shine even further if he were over on the right-hand side. But of course that would mean no Carter Vickers and nobody wants that. No. He has been absolutely outstanding. But yeah, you know, to Starfield's defence, he's doing a job in a slightly unnatural position. It's clear, of course, that Ange himself is a big fan of Starfield and he was talking around about a month ago uh, about the player himself. So he said... He's been a cornerstone of our team since pretty much the day he arrived last year. He was one of the first ones we signed. I guess he's a bit understated in the way he plays the game. He rarely gets beaten. He's always in the right areas and contributes both to our attack and our defence. And it's a credit to him and Cam. He then elaborates on the role of defenders in general at Celtic. And he said, They have a good understanding. They complement each other really well. It's not easy to defend in our team. We're constantly pushing the line. But we want to be aggressive. It means a lot of one-on-one -on -one defending. You need to embrace that as a defender and be willing to put yourself in the line. They are both very, very brave in their position, as they need to be, and it's a credit to both of them. So, Paddy, whether he makes a change or not, Angie's really, you know, glowing in his praise of the partnership, and it's clearly one of values. Uh, yeah, you, you can see um, just <clears throat> with that starting lineup most weeks, it's, it's definitely they're two definitely on the, the, the team sheet straight away for me. Um, and one of the things I've noticed about his position and kind of what Angie's talking about is. When it comes to those little uh, moments where he's maybe bringing the ball out um, from the back with Taylor, if obviously the passes aren't on, he's very quick to recycle it and get it over to the more natural side of Cameron Carter-Vickers to start down the right. We're really, really strong at that. It can be frustrating as a fan sometimes just kind of watching the ball getting knocked about at the back, but it's basically they're just at the beginning of this new cycle. Every time they're, they're getting quicker and quicker at it, I think... The last few games, I think of the teams we've, we've killed off very quickly in the first half. And a lot of it is coming for the passing at the back. Mm. We speak about that nine-pass goal, uh, which... Uh, Jackson Slater. Jackson Slated, you know, <laughs> like, that all starts coming from the back again. Both were Starfelt. Aye, both yeah. Starfelt. But it's even just, see the movement between him and Taylor when they do start to bring it out. It's almost as if Starfelt kind of goes to cover his left-hand side when Taylor com comes more into the middle. Just to be there to receive the pass if he could get further down the line watched that a few times and just I, I I really like him I think he's a, a very well accomplished defender and I think he can get better see, what I would say as well is he even on Saturday you know there's there's points where Starfield's on the ball and he looks a bit like you know jittering there's maybe mm -hmm. a stray pass or he, he rethinks about I think a lot of that comes down to players not working hard enough to show for him mm -hmm. you know and they are working hard but just maybe not enough and he's like well I'll try this slightly risky one then because no one's shown me for an obvious pass and I think that's what will be getting said in the dressing room, you know, Starfield's coming out with the ball, you need to show for him yeah. to, to avoid that that recycling going on. So there's a bit of defence for him even in there. I, I agree with you there. I remember even the, the two each game at Ibrox um, and it was after the, the first goal from Rangers. And um, <clears throat> the way Juranovic basically said, that's not my fault with what happened. That even cover now. I, and then you, you see actually later on, in the game, you could see Starfelt was basically screaming at him, saying, it was your fault, you need Aye. to be more to the left yep. in that situation for us coming out. And, and for balls coming in on top is, you need to be more to the left, he said. And you actually see the footage of him, he keeps telling him, go left, yeah. go left, go left. And Juranovic just wasn't wanting to do the work. Yeah. So he's he's vocal enough, which is good as well. I good. think a lot of people think he's quite quiet. It is. What can't be denied, regardless how good Starfelt's doing his job, though, is that it is a slightly unnatural position he yeah. finds himself in, time after time. It's just part of the game. If you you know come out the left-hand side of defence and you're looking to break the lines with a pass, if you're looking to thread a pass maybe through to a Hattati or even beyond, the angles don't quite allow for that in a natural way that it would do for a left-sided yeah, you're, player. Yeah, you're naturally facing the stand instead of facing the opposition goal. So from that point of view, Kobayashi's got a, you know, a bit of a... Uh, an advantage there. So let, let's take a quick look at Kobayashi and his general 
information. So 22 years of age, he'll be 23 in July, signed in January from VCL Kobe, um, Kyogo's old team as well. And that was in a five-year deal. He's only been capped at under 20 level so far. So five caps there, nothing for the senior team. And it's easy to forget that he's only made three Celtic appearances. So this isn't clamour from us at the Celtic Exchange to say, get this guy in, he needs to start now. But, you know, we're asking the question and we're having the discussion, but he's only had three appearances so far. Two of them were starts, a 4-0 win against St Man in the league, a 5-0 win against Morton in the Scottish Cup, and obviously that second half appearance against Hearts on Saturday. Um, Kobe Ashe made his J-League debut in April 2018, ironically, against Ange Postacoglu's Yokohama Marinos. So a player that Ange has known about, you know, in different ways for, for some time. And as much as we don't have a huge deal to, to go on in terms of what we've seen in a Celtic shirt, he does come with a big reputation in Japan and he has been impressive in those few appearances. James, very composed in general, very comfortable on the ball. I mean, just reading out your profile, it, it screams Ange Postacoglu. You know, everything about that says that's the kind of guy I like to sign. New young, he's got potential, he's got stature, he's quite fast, all, all of these things. Um, again, I would just take you on your point that it's, it's not an anti-Starfield at, at all. Um, it's just, is there a a better way of, is there a better option for that position from an actual point of view? And I think it is. We've not seen enough of him. I mean, look at the stats you're out for Starfield there and you're saying, I want to shoot on this, uh, throw this three three appearance guy in. <laughs> he's mad, yeah. right? Uh, clean sheets. Well, it's got a lot of goals as well. Um, but you want to see, we just want to see what we've got. That that's all. We we can't. I'm not wanting to see him start his, uh, you know, full Celtic first team career in the first group game of the Champions League next year. I want to see him a few games under his belt to be tested, to up against you know big cart horses and things like that. So I think you've got to see it sooner than later. We'd rather do it obviously when you've got the league in the bag. But you know, I think we want to get him in sooner than later. I think on that one as well. I I, I think once this game in the, the 8th of April is kind of done with I see a lot of rotation coming in then I yeah. really do I think we'll really start to know that the the league's definitely within within our, our grasp and I, I just think that we'll start to see players being rested especially with a semi-final coming up and the final coming up with the Scottish Cup so the quicker we get to that point it's going to be better for the likes of Haksibanovic it's going to be better for the likes of Kobayashi Iwata all coming in and, and getting a, a shot at things and again, just sets us up for a, another good summer again. For we, we want a healthy, healthy bill of players as well, and just ready to get the preseason going for what's going to be a, a big year in Europe for us next yeah. year. So you might well be right, and and there's no doubt we're going to make further signings. You know that's all part of it. It's interesting, just you just touched on it there, but what you can do with stats. So if you look at Kobayashi stats in general, played three, mm-hmm. scored twelve, conceded nothing, three wins. It's as good as it gets for a defender. Um, but he can make stats do anything, as I say. So, um, so Andrew's speaking about him after the game on Saturday, and obviously he's got his own thoughts as well about what involvement he'll have between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I thought he did well. You know, he's look, he's he's a very very good footballer. You know, you can see that he's so calm on the ball, having a left sided centre back. He's uh, he's such an asset, and um, you know, but you know, again, he's only twenty two. So as a defender, he's still got a lot to learn. But he's again, he's he works hard every day. He works hard with. You know, we're fortunate we've got John Kennedy in the building who's an outstanding centre-back and he does a lot of work with John every day just to, to be ready for his opportunity. He hasn't had a lot, but he's definitely one we think can, can be a strong contributor, you know, between now and the end of the year and, and beyond. Yep, so as Ange says there, James, he thinks that Kobayashi can play a big part between now and the end of the season. We've got 10 league games to go, potentially two in the Scottish Cup. So to round off the, the main question here, just how much do you think he will contribute to what Ange is looking to achieve this season? It's down to Kobayashi. If he, you know, he plays and say he will play on Saturday, I'm pretty confident of that. If he plays well, he stakes a claim to get the jersey to retain the jersey for after the international break. I suppose the litmus test will be if fans trust him then to play against Rangers on the eighth of April. If he does, then it's his jersey. You might be right. Um, last quote here, Paddy. So when Kobayashi signed, Andrew was quoted as follows. He says, we're really pleased. UK is someone that we've been following for a while and it was a great opportunity to bring him in. He's a left-sided centre-back and they're hard to find. He mentioned that in the audio just there as well. He's at a really good age where he's already had some great experience but with great potential ahead of him. So, to me, Paddy, this indicates that Angie's been looking for a left-sided centre-half for some time as, as part of the overall puzzle. Will Kobayashi be that guy? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'd, I'd Like I say, I generally think anyone that's coming in, um, he's... He's planning to get them into the team somehow and, you know, it might not always work. So you want to try and keep these guys around that they, they could be replacing and it's just 
you know, managing that squad the way we have been. I think um, I, I spoke a lot before the, the, the World Cup break about how key rotation was for our team and, and how important it was. It's actually been able to take the foot off the gas with that a bit, obviously, because we've, we've not been playing in Europe this side of the year. And I just think um, that has been great for the boys that are in the, the stand 11, but the ones that are trying to get into that stand 11 and trying to stake a claim, it's been a ha it's, it'll be very hard for them. It's been very hard for them. They're going to get their opportunities, though. That's the thing with this boss. I really do think we will see Haksibanovic come good. Um, and I, I'd like to think that Kobayashi, yeah, probably will be the, the guy that goes and takes that, that position. Um, but personally, I, I still think that Starfelt is going to be around a long time at Celtic as well. Just, just I think you make the key point on rotation there, mm -hmm. and you know, for Starfield staying about as a naturally right-sided centre half, you can then start to rest Carter Vickers because he doesn't get any rest at all, and you know that'll, that'll take a toll in the end. So you yeah. can rotate a wee bit with him, but if you ever need him at left centre half, he's got a season and a half of you know real experience there 100%. and you know very successful experience. So when we were looking at squad stuff at the start of the season, we were talking about Jens Starfield. Kobayashi, Carter Vickers, that was going to be our four centre halves if, if Welsh went away and we'd need those four strong centre halves. Mm -hmm. You probably need three plus one, three plus a reserve if Starfelt is is the first reserve because he can cover both left and yeah. right. Yeah. What's also interesting, just as we kind of close this one out, is that we're all saying, I think generally speaking, the consensus is that Starfelt has he's been excellent for Celtic. His, his stats prove all of that, but there does seem to be an a natural replacement there in the shape of Kobayashi, particularly given that he's left-sided. But what we've also seen from Starfelt is that he's a he's a real competitor. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a warrior, and he's not going to sit and just watch somebody take no. his shot. So what we've seen now within the Celtic side is that pressure for your place seems to be bringing out the best of various guys. Guys are raising their game. Greg Taylor's a great example. We signed Burnaby, who generally speaking can't get a look in, and, and Taylor's gone to new levels. And I think Starfelt's continued to improve as, as you say, Paddy, this season, and whether Kobayashi gets a nod or not moving forward Starfield's not going to give that shirt up without a fight and that can only benefit Celtic very generally speaking so it's an interesting debate as I say it's one that you know people have got quite strong opinions on but it's definitely a, you know, a valid discussion to be having and whether Ange decides to go with Starfield or Kobayashi between now and the end of the season what we do have are two very good centre halves fine for that position alongside Cameron Carter-Vickers Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. So, clue number one, I made over 150 appearances for Celtic from the early to late 90s. Clue number two, I scored a last-minute winner against Rangers in October 1993. And clue number three, after leaving Celtic, I joined Aberdeen before going on to play for two seasons in the Bundesliga. The answer, of course, was Brian O'Neill. James, your thoughts on Brian O'Neill, a talented player, but perhaps, you know, part of a tough time in, in Celtic's history across the 90s. Yeah, and I think I remember seeing him, you know, coming through as a youth and you're thinking, well, this is, this is going to be one for the future, you know. It probably is just a victim of timing as, as much as anything else. But, you know, he had a lot of good players around him as well. And it just didn't really happen for him. I mean, I don't really know what he did much after Celtic, you know, and Dizzy Heights-wise and stuff like that. You know, obviously Aberdeen, but... Clue number three, I spent two years in the Bundesliga. <laughs> I went to Wolfsburg, that's right. But, you know, he, he wasn't, like, then starring for Scotland and stuff like that. You know, wasn't... He didn't have maybe as much success as his early promise uh, alluded to. So, but, you know, he seemed like a likeable guy. Definitely had bags of talent, but just, aye. I don't think anybody wants to remember. <laughs> Not Brian O'Neill's time. That whole time. <laughs> the early to mid-90s can forget it. Um, so just in terms of his profile, so he came to Celtic via Celtic Boys Club and debuted in the 91 season under Liam Brady. Uh, the last minute winner he scored against Rangers was officially the start of the Lou McCarry era, but it was actually Frank Connor who was taking the team that day as he finished his spell as caretaker manager unbeaten, which you'll remember, James. And you too, Paddy. I'm Aye. forgetting you remember the 90s. Another wee dig there, Paddy. Another <laughs> wee dig. Tommy Burns then came in and he used O'Neill as a ball playing centre half, so he started life as a midfielder. Tommy Burns moved him back to ball playing centre half, but he suffered a serious knee injury, which meant he missed out on the 1995 Scottish Cup final win. So tough one to take, I'm sure. Um, as mentioned, he then joined Aberdeen for a season in 97, before then moving to Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga, where he had a successful two year spell. He then signed for Derby and finally pressed the North End. I'm not sure, just you mentioned it, James, I'm not sure if he's now involved in football at any level at all. Mm -hmm. I'm really not sure if he's still in the game, but maybe one of the listeners can let us know on that one. But good Celtic player, 
tough time in his life and um, a tough time for lives. Celtic. All our lives. Um, but good luck to Brian O'Neill, you know, a, a good servant during his time. Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell. As always, the first 10 people who reply with the right answer on the Mystery Cell on our Twitter page win a month completely free of the Celtic Exchange Plus. To take part, just visit our Twitter page right now at Celtic Exchange and you'll see the clues posted there in our pinned tweet. And good luck to everyone taking part. The score, Paddy. You want the score? I do want the score. At least just to, to motivate you. <laughs> the score is currently 5 4, James, to the host. So chance is to equalise. Aye. That is aye. Chance yeah. to equalise. Yeah. Uh, are you ready, James? Well, you, seem, you need to check back the tapes. You seem focused. Yeah. Let's go with it. So clue number one. Despite an impressive goals record throughout my career, I never won any international caps. Anyone jumping out, Paddy? George Cadet. Oh, he's no, plenty of Portugal play. caps, yeah. yeah. Um, good goal scorer, though. Clue number two. Oh, Decanio. Not Decanio. Clue number two. I've scored for Celtic in the Champions League group stages. Donati? No, I was qualifier. Samaras playing the caps. You're looking deep in thought, Paddy. Um, um, You're waiting for number three, aren't you? Always. And clue number three. Neil Lennon has signed me twice. So... While the lads are having a wee think about that one, I want to give listeners a short reminder of the additional content we provide over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. As well as special episodes we do with ex-players, coaches and journalists, we produce extra pre- and post-match podcasts for every Celtic game and we'll have additional podcasts either side of Saturday's upcoming league game with Hibs and that'll cover everything you need to know before and after the game. If you haven't already subscribed, you can experience the Celtic Exchange Plus right now, absolutely free with our seven-day trial. Simply visit theCelticExchange.com slash sign up to get started and to enjoy all the additional content we offer to subscribers. We've got subscriptions starting at just 150 a month, so if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week, then visit theCelticExchange.com slash sign up now. Is it five each? I thought it was five each. Is it five each? It is now. It is now. It is now. It is it is now. now. So <laughs> it'll be beeped out, but James got it just at the death there. Um, <laughs> the death. So <laughs> scraping. I, I, I felt that like that last clue made it too easy. Aye. I was going to get it. I wonder if the listeners feel the same. Anyway. But aye, I'm sure you'd have nailed it, James, yeah. as always. Uh, but remember, <laughs> if you think you know the answer to this week's Mystery Cell and want to win a month free of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pinned tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Cell. Okay, let's now address our listener's question, which this week comes from Tommy from West Calder. With the recent success of Lewis Ferguson and George Doig in Italy, do you think Celtic should be looking at some of the young Scottish talent in any other teams in the SPFL? Is there any players that would catch your eye that you should be looking at? So Tommy there, good pal of the show, representing the East Coast. You can hear his East Coast brogue coming through. West Calder. Um, so, uh, well, east enough. Tommy says, with the success of recent exports like Lewis Ferguson and Josh Doig, who are flying high at the moment with Bologna and Hellas Verona in Serie A, are there any players currently playing their trade in the Scottish Premiership that Celtic should be looking to snap up just now before they go on to make a similar move? James, your initial thoughts on that? My gut reaction is no. You know, we watch a lot of, well, it's maybe difficult to judge. We've watched a lot of opposition teams playing against us. I probably don't watch much opposition teams playing against opposition teams which is where you'd maybe be able to judge them better um, because when they're playing against us it's it's maybe a, a tough tough game for them my gut feel is no maybe Leighton Clarkson I like him at Aberdeen Liverpool player on loan to Aberdeen just now I don't know if he's got a link to, to Aberdeen the Leighton thing I don't know where do you get called Leighton from? You know, idea? that's my guess um, <laughs> hell of a segue that I know, I know. I know. just how the head works um, so out, outside of him I don't see you, know, you. You suggested a few players earlier on. Nah, I, I, do you have that be lost on you? Yeah, I've got some stuff to catch. Don't don't you worry, buddy. Right, you, hey, you prepared? Hey, you can put your phone away, sir. Okay. This is, this is okay. where the notes are for. <laughs> um, just your initial thoughts on general, yeah, yeah, buddy, yeah. before we get to that. So Ferguson and Doig are both doing well. Both doing really well out there, actually. And I mean, do you think Celtic maybe missed the boat with either of them? Um, no. You're, let, you're letting <laughs> the Ferguson thing sway, you? Can I interject a wee bit here as well? Go just just it. on that, and it's a real slap in the dish. I don't think Ferguson and I would bring Shanklin into and into this would have improved us. Yeah. They would have massively improved Rangers, both of them, and both Rangers fans. I think Rangers missed a boat with Ferguson. I think Ferguson's a really good player. And I thought he always had an impact against Celtic. And I sc- I'd- scored quite a lot against us, I think. I- I- Four games in a row yeah. against us. I heard that stat uh, because Marco Harris scored three in a row for us now against us for St mm-hmm. Martin. And at the same time, they brought up the stat that Ferguson had gone one better. I don't know why Rangers never signed him. It, 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 it would seem the most obvious thing in the world. Maybe there's some financial stuff going on. Who knows, James? One for, <laughs> one for another blog slash show. 
But he's a talented guy, Doig the same. They're both, you know, really impressed out there, apparently. I think um, for me, Doig would be the one, yeah, that I think maybe have a, a little look at it. And, and Math mentioned him frequently. Aye, I, I think he, he's very, very comfortable. And what I, I'm really happy to see is, is Scottish players taking that that jump yeah. and going and trying somewhere else, you know. I've seen it with, the, with Liam Henderson. I think everyone was really excited that he went and tried tried it out over in Italy and he's he's done well as well. He's mm-hmm. he's carved out a good career over there and Hickey as well. I Hickey is Hickey, another one I think, yeah, I, I wasn't so sure about him. Yeah. Um but he's just got stronger and stronger. Um and again I think this is the big issue with a lot of the younger Scottish players is that with coming to a team like ourselves, if you're going to try and get them on the cheap and, and get them signed up, they really need to hit the ground running. Mm. And I don't think we really take risks on that. We, we don't have the time for that if they don't, you know. So I think they're kind of looking for players with a bit more, a couple of seasons under their belt. I know obviously Hattati's a different story on that one, but when Scottish players do well, they eventually end up, you know, lower end of the Premier League, mid, mid-level Premier League and you just can't you can't compete with that you're not going to be able to sign them unless they want to come and have a, a wee season at their, their boyhood team when they're, they're older um, so it's a difficult market I think mm-hmm. um, there's not really many in Scotland that's like basically shown anything for me that I think would improve our team yeah and we'll have a wee look at just a few who are doing fairly well just now who might be worth considering but there, there are some decent examples of players that Celtic have missed out on so obviously We've mentioned Ferguson and Doig as the most recent examples. Um, Hickey, absolutely. He was he was at Celtic as a youth and then made the move to Hearts and he's kicked on to better levels now back at Brentford. Um, Calvin Ramsey has gone from Aberdeen to Liverpool. Lots of potential and didn't, didn't play a lot for Aberdeen, no. but in the few games he looked very good. Yeah. You would like to think someone at Celtic youth would be aware of somebody like him, so whether he was on the radar or not, we don't know. John McGinn's a high-profile example from a few years ago. You've got Scott McKenna playing at Notts Forest in the Premier League. You've got Ryan Portis who's now made a move down south. Whether any of them would have worked or not, we don't know. But there's lots of guys that Celtic choose not to go for before they make the move. Even uh, Fletcher at Dundee United was a bone of contention that Celtic never pushed the boat out for him. Um, I've mentioned in a previous episode that Celtic, generally speaking, you know, under Ange, don't shop in the UK market. It's not something we do. Obviously, high profile is, you know, the various Japanese players are now all from South Korea. But of the various signings Ange has made... Only one has come from another Scottish club and that's Benjamin Segrist from United and that's a backup player. You know, that's not a first team player. Uh, and only three others have come from anywhere else in the UK and that's Joe Hart and Carter Vickers from Spurs and Matt O'Reilly from MK Dons. So quite simply, just a question for now, Paddy. The Celtic simply have a, a better handle on their scouting overall just now in terms of their global scouting than at any time in recent history and they're now just finding better value for their field. I'm not entirely sure if it's all just down to the scouting. I, I generally think our managers get a massive part in it. I really do. Um, I think the scouting before, um, the success rate and the players we were bringing in wasn't the strongest. Um, with a lot of core players that had been at the club for quite a while and a lot of players that were coming in weren't improving the team. Um, so for me, I think that we need to, we need to, we still need to kind of improve in that. Um, Mika Richards, I don't know if you guys heard him lately, he was discussing Celtic and a lot of the, obviously, Japanese players that have joined us and and, uh, now all coming from South Korea as well. And he was stating that, you know, people will start to take note of this and might crowd Celtic out of the market almost. Um, That doesn't really worry me on that side. But what I'd like to see more from our our scouting teams is is looking across the world in general. Uh, I think that... You know, we, we look at the likes of the, the models of like Benfica, your portals that shop in South America. They're going to be able to do that. They're a more attractive um, like locations to come and move to from the likes of Brazil, Argentina. And then that's your stepping stone into one of the top five leagues. For us, it, for me, I, I think a lot of good players coming from Scandinavia. Um, and I think we should be looking at the, con- the, 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 the three countries and also a lot of good players in the like Eastern Europe coming under like your Croatias, your Montenegros and stuff like that. I think we should be really looking into those areas as well. But Japanese market's been absolutely brilliant for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. So long may that continue to. Yep. Showing an excellent grasp of geography in general there, Paddy. Thanks very, very much. Very impressive. <laughs> but you've got, I mean, even Angie's mentioned, you know, it's yet to be seen, but he mentioned that, you know, there's players in places like Iran and, and, and locations like that, that yeah. Celtic just historically would never have considered. So, it's exciting to see, as I say, we're going to be making further signings in summer. There's no doubt about that. And it's not to call 
buying players in Scotland lazy scouting, but it's convenient, isn't it? Oh, there's there's Kevin Nisbet doing well at Hibs, but we just sign him. You know, he's on the radar. Yeah. Celtic are just looking far further afield and they've just been far more creative. Interestingly, you might have seen the news just in the last few days that a new first team scout's been appointed. Um, yeah. So Mark Lowell's added a chap called Joe Dudgeon to his team. Dudgeon, like Lowell, is the ex-City group and actually played in Man, uh, sorry, Man United's youth setup alongside the likes of Paul Pogba. He's still only 32 years of age and went on to have a limited career, I would say, at Hull City and Barnsley before retiring from playing in 2015. And I think that's interesting as well, James, that as well as what we're doing on the park and all that stuff, Mark Lowell's clearly been busy behind the scenes to build up his you know, network and the team that he's got since his arrival and it's Good to see the continued improvement. Yeah, I read, I read the report in Dudgeon and it looks like a real key signing and probably one they've been waiting for. You know, they're waiting to get Mark Law himself and once he's coming, he's like, that's the guy I want and it might take time to get it. And he'll know, you know, just to, to answer the, the previous point, that one of the main reasons we're not shopping the English market is it's just overinflated for bang average footballers. Mm-hmm. Bang average footballers get 100 grand a week and all this madness. And what that also does is it, it gives us unattractive competition for Scottish players so if it was Nisbet or Portis or whoever see you did fancy getting them in on I don't know 12, 13, 14 grand a week something like that and then some absolute nobody's going to give them 30 mm-hmm. you know their agent's not doing their job if they don't at least put that contract in front of them and they end up in England so guys like Dudgeon will give us that you know increased experience professionalism and outlook to, to, to the, the fields you want to be shopping in all you, you mentioned last week you know about if we were ever to replace Hart, we'd probably sign a, a player from a country we'd never heard of, never mind the guy, the player we'd never heard of. Tell me, you know, who'd heard of Hitati? You know, who'd heard of Kyogo? Yeah. Who'd heard of all, Starfelt? You know, all these guys, mm-hmm. they're coming out of absolutely nowhere. And, you know, we touched on it last week again that Ferguson wanted a 1-2 and two and Angie's getting a 9-10 and 10 in terms of success when he's signing. So, you know, I wouldn't be getting in the way of that at all. And if they can improve it anyway with Dudgeon, then I'm all for it. Yeah, it sounds like a good appointment all round and great to see. Um, so I've highlighted just a handful of players in the Scottish Premiership that may be worth considering. You can tell us you're just short answers whether you think they're uh, worth considering or not. So you've got Kevin Nisbet at Hibs, 26 years of age, 10 Scotland caps. Uh, at Aberdeen, you've got a couple of players in Majowski and Duke up top. I think they've impressed this season. I think they're both good players. Didn't realise they're as young as what they are. They're both 23, so they're at a good age. Um, Majowski's got 13 caps for North Macedonia, who are a Decent side in the, the game this weather. Uh, and Duke has opted to play for Cape Verde. Um, so he's picked up a cap for them. I think he's been a standout. He's got a crack goal the other week, if oh, you remember it. Outstanding. Um, at Dundee United, they've got Dylan Levitt, the 22-year-old ex-Man United as well. I think he just played one game for United in the Europa League and since has found himself up here. You lads have highlighted two guys at Aberdeen that you like. I think, James, you mentioned Leighton Clarkson. He's a midfielder. He's on loan at Aberdeen from Liverpool, 21 years of age. And Paddy, you mentioned Hayden Coulson. He's a left-back and he's on loan from Middlesbrough, 24 years of age. So, listen, there may be merit in bringing in any one of these players, but as you say, James, is the value just not there? Do you end up having to pay top dollar and adding a couple of million just for, you know, English Premier League tax or Scottish Premier League tax or Scottish Premiership tax? The chairman hold out for a bit of a a ransom, given that it's Celtic come calling. Aye, the the Jim McLean style, you know. Um, I like both Duke and Majowski. I didn't realise he was young as that, same as yourself. My only question would be, is there enough core talent there that we can coach you to be more? Because at the moment, you're not able to do it against us. So how can you sign for us and do it against Real Madrid? That would be the way I would look at it. But can we bring you in for you know value and coach that last bit that you don't have? So you can do it against Real Madrid or you could do it against us with that with that coaching ability. You know, An interesting point on that. Um, somebody mentioned it the other day, can't remember if it was one of our guys or somebody else, but Josh Ginelli looks like a guy who's playing in a team who aren't as good as him, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. we seen it with Majowski. We, you remember the point I got about to make? <laughs> he was running about like a, an idiot against Celtic, trying to close things down, and he just got really frustrated right. because he's a good footballer. He's good on the ball. He can score goals, but he was basically just out there doing a running exercise. Yeah. And t- to your point, James, they currently can't do it against us because they're playing with limited sides. You know, Aberdeen, uh, Hearts, whoever else. If they were playing with a really good side... They pro- probably could, you know, certainly make more of their chances against Celtic and, and beyond. So maybe they're guys who are doing fairly well at their current teams. They might do even better with better players around them, Paddy. Yeah, and this is when it comes down to taking that risk, right? Um, we, we we could bring these players in and my thinking is is that what 
they would then need to kind of aspire to and reach. They need to do it very quickly, um, or else they just get kind of forgotten about. And I, I just think Celtic are clever in the sense where we're bringing players in for, you know, no, I wouldn't say less of a value than what we would, we would be paying uh, in the, the Scottish Premiership. I think that we are going with more scouting knowledge on the basis of, you, you look at Ange and his, his, uh, his knowledge of uh, Asia, his, his, his knowledge of even getting into Russia, um, and, and then obviously looking at the likes of uh, Iran, and he'll probably be looking at other players, and even in the Indian leagues, for example, stuff like that. I, I think that he knows what he wants, but this is the the thing. He, he, he probably has a good idea of the Scottish market, but then he'll be like, I'm going to take more of a risk on this guy over here that's done this X, X amount of months in terms of a guy that, you know, they don't do anything against us. Mm. Um, I, I, I get someone like Duke, someone like... Uh, Miofsky, I, I do think Miofsky's got a good, really good finish on him, but I've just not seen anything in, in any of the games that I've watched, sports scene highlights, not seen anything else from him that would make me think, you'd burst a gut playing for Celtic, you would do this no problem for us. And I'd say with Duke, I think there's a, he's quite a raw talent and I don't know if he gets better. That, that would be... The, yeah. the question would be, are these guys performing at their very best? But I would like to think uh, every player's got improvement in them, you know, and the guys I've mentioned, they're, they're all at the... Maybe Nisbet's maybe the oldest at 26, but the others are all in their early you know, stage of their, yeah. their 20s. So th there could be room for improvement, but that's where a, a scout shows his worth. Mm -hmm. You know, he can say, I can see something in this kid, he's got something to offer that can be improved upon. So it's interesting, it's good to know that the scouting department's getting added to as we go on and, and that'll further improve. Yeah. Ultimately, I suppose, to answer Tommy's question, though then I'll come to you first, James. Is there anyone in Scotland that Celtic should be pushing the boat out for, or do you think we should be sticking with the, the signing policy that we've seen since Angie's arrival? If it's not broke, don't fix it. It's working so well. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Forget it, Nisbet. Is that what you're saying? I actually would have, wouldn't have minded Nisbet coming in in the, the winter transfer window there as a bit of cover. Um, I think we've spoken a lot about, you know, Angie's first season closing the gap from first choice player to second choice player. And it was, you know, by and large, almost every position's done. I think that gap is rather large at the moment to always development, always got a bit to go. And maybe Nisbet would have given you a bit, bit something about between O and uh, Kyogo at the moment. So I, I like Nisbet, but not as a, a Champions League striker. Yeah. What were you, Paddy? Keep going as we're going, or anyone jumping yeah, out? Keep going as we're going. Um, I don't. I don't see anyone in the league at the moment. Um, it's a real sad state of affairs that we kind of feel like that. To be honest, I remember mm. we would look at a lot of players from, from the, the league and Brownie and Turnbull and guys. Aye, like that. aye and it, but then you think about the ones that we have let go just out of sheer stubbornness as well. So he's not here anymore, though. <laughs> is he? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving on. So another really good question. And thanks again to Tommy for sending that one in. Big supporter of the show, as I mentioned, and we really appreciate the question. If you want to submit your question to us for discussion on any future shows, then you can do so in one of three ways. Number one, you can leave a voicemail directly on our website via the microphone icon on the bottom right of any page. Number two, you can send us a message on the socials at Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And finally, number three, you can email me directly on tino at thecelticexchange.com. Time for this week in Celtic Media. Each week here on the weekly show, we pick out something of interest that we've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic Media that we then recommend to you, our listeners. James, what have you got for us this week? Uh, just a, a really... Uh, I went for a good time. And Miff talks a lot about how his football fans were all really guilty of recency bias. And I, I would say I definitely am. You know, when someone's gone, it's about who's replaced him and you forget how good the last guy was and stuff like that. And Bruni is a man for that. I mean, I would never forget how good Bruni was for us. But we've got a, such a great captain, Cal McGregor. Now you kind of you know you tend to forget he's promoting um, himself and Michael Lustig are doing a kind of charity ball dinner type thing for the Celtic, Celtic Foundation. So he's doing a wee bit of you know uh, pieces with Celtic on that. So it takes you a wee bit down to you know Fleetwood and what he's doing there, how he's managed to get here without going to Turkey, <laughs> all these things, um, and just how how, how he's progressing as a coach himself, how Fleetwood are progressing as a team under him, and they very much are, you know, they're unlucky in the FA Cup as well. Um, he spoke a wee bit about how, you know, he still speaks to Rodgers, to Strachan, to Lennon, right. you know, and I suppose all managers do, they go to the guys that they learn from mm -hmm. themselves. And it's just great to hear him speaking again, and you get a wee bit of kind of a, a, a throwback to some of his best moves at Celtic. Because there's a tie-in to Lustig, he gives a wee story about how Lustig turned up for his first day of training, and Bruni was telling us, what have you signed here? See, this skinny guy with long hair and Hunter's yeah. tattoos, says, I'm, I'm not into it at all. And then he said, 
watch this guy, he'll be good. And That's he was. Right. Yeah. So as you say, James, they're on the promo trail for, I think it's called A Night with Scott Brown and Mika Lustig. It's at the Hydro in May, um, very much in partnership with the foundation. So good to see that. Um, interesting, as you mentioned, that he's keeping in touch with the likes of Brendan Rodgers, Gordon Strachan and, and Neil Lennon, Paddy, because they're going to be really valuable to a guy like Bruni, who's now just making his, his first steps, if you like, as a manager. Oh, yeah, I'm all, all very uh, strong managers with the knowledge that they'll have, and, and he'll take a lot from them. Um, surprised he never read out Ronnie. I'm I know. Upset at that. Uh, I'll have to speak to him about that. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, he'll take a lot from, I'd say more so, someone like Brendan Rogers um, in this modern modern game and, and, and what Rogers has, has been doing at Leicester, obviously maybe not so much this season, but he seems fairly limited just now um, with what he can do. Um, I like Brown. I'll ask a question for you guys here. Future Celtic manager at one point. Oh, definitely potential for uh, that, no doubt. Yeah, he's got a long yeah, way to go and no a, lot, a lot to pick up. But yeah, who knows? I mean, he, he must have learned under these various guys and, and to have the ear of you know Roger Strack and Lennon Maybe Dyla and various others will do him no harm. Yeah. It was interesting to see him, you know, in the FA Cup game. You mentioned James; he's up against uh, Vincent Company Aye. as a manager at Burnley. Yeah. He's, he's picking up some good experiences down there. I wonder if Rogers will teach him how to leave mid-season. I wonder if he'll, oh, he'll pass that experience mid on. Middle of the night. Middle of the Aye. night. Um, so interestingly, it's part of the whole promotional thing. Uh, Joe from our show uh, is speaking to him tomorrow um, on a Zoom call, so he'll get some chat then. Maybe he can ask him about Ronnie Dyla and see what he's thinking. He better. But I think in general, <laughs> it's um, it's fitting, James, that fans will get a proper chance to say farewell to Bruni because he had to leave an empty Covid stadium and didn't get the the adulation that he rightfully deserves as Celtic skipper. He mentions that in the piece, you know, and you know we thought about it at the time, but you know maybe just didn't get emphasised enough because pff, I can't think of anyone that didn't have time for Brown and all he did for us and all the success that we we had under his captaincy and as a player for us. So must have been very very tough to know you know the, the last time you left Celtic Park. Well, last time you left Celtic Park was in a Aberdeen player on the back of a dune probably um, but you know I'd left Celtic Park as a player no one there to kind of see you off really maybe there was fans outside I don't know but from what you should have had you know the, the send off Brown should have had a full stadium chanting his name mm-hmm. and you know, maybe we'll get a wee chance for that when he's up for that weekend you know yeah I hope so I mean it must have been a strange experience just applauding an empty stadium yeah. <laughs> saying goodnight to the groundskeeper on the Janney and going up the road so. do, you know, do you know I still think about with that let's see with the empty stadium mm-hmm. um, watch it back uh, well if you want to it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard, but there's a the, the game Rangers beat us two 0 and Conor Goldson goes to celebrate to the fans. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you doing, me? Uh, yeah. Let's not watch. That. No, let's not uh, watch that. Yeah. Ignore um, me. But as James says, so it's an interview with Scott Brown. Um, it's on Celtic's YouTube channel. An interesting watch, and as always, we'll link to this one in the show notes for the episode. Um, just a quick. Uh, Piece of additional information or additional news. It's Lisbon Line, John Clark's birthday today. So uh, John Clark turns 82. So happy birthday to John Clark. Best wishes to him, a proper Celtic hero. James, 13 wins in the bounce now for Celtic. Another important game against Hibs coming up. What's your final comments for the week? Yeah, I mean, we're absolutely flying just now. The only kind of fly on the, fly on the ointment of the horizon, to mix my metaphors, uh, is... That's a smasher, isn't it? <laughs> it gets better and better. Is international break coming up, you know... Just if you just let us get our games out of the way, and then you can have your international break once we get the league in the bag. But they're not into that. So um, big game against Hibs Easter Road. Always an enjoyable game. One of my favourite away grounds. Unfortunately, won't be at that one. Um, but I hope to find that uh, uh, Celtic Park on Saturday. Is it Celtic Park? Yeah, yep. I was away. Uh, I still won't be at it. I'll be in Rome with you. Yes. So um, we've got a wee place to to watch that. But yeah, really important game to solidify the the work of late. Going to the international break on a, on a high note, so yeah, hope the boys do the business on Saturday. Good. Paddy, it's hard to see who stops Celtic at this moment in time, but as always, won't it be switched on for every game and Saturday against Hibs is no different. Your thoughts on that and final comments for the week? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just as James touched on there, international weekend um, stop, stops that kind of momentum for us, sadly. Um, it's a good chance for, you know, Maybe I, I don't see many changes, but just one last big run out for the, the the eleven that's been basically in place for the last month, month and a half. But also another little chance just to you know keep uh, keep our manager thinking in the back of his head. Look, Haksabanovic is looking good. Our Avatas came in and done well. I think we will see uh, 
subs and maybe subs a bit earlier than usual just to just to let everyone go for it in that final little game before this break. Um, also a good time for those that aren't going with their international teams just to get more used to what we're doing at things at, sorry how we're doing things at training um, and I just think that yeah it, it does leave us in good stead going for the final push as well yeah so. and as always I'm sure Andrew will make good use of that time on the training field but obviously a huge game against Tibbs coming up before that Yeah. so that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly thanks to James and Paddy for joining me today and as always our thanks to you for listening Remember to send your mystery cell answer to us on Twitter for your chance to win a free month of the Celtic Exchange Plus. And beyond that, don't forget to visit theceltichange.com slash sign up where you can start your free seven-day trial and enjoy everything that we'll be featuring there this week. But in the meantime, for myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.